Grace, mercy, and peace to you from God our Father and from our Lord and our Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. Have you ever thought about the reality that essentially everything you do every single day is an exercise in faith? Uh, and not biblical faith, though we're, we're going to get to that in just a little bit here, but uh, just that word faith, that according to kind of uh, the basic definition, that if you Google uh, faith or you open your dictionary and you read faith, everything that you do is basically an exercise in faith. And see, here's what Google says. If you Google faith or definition of faith, it says complete trust or confidence in someone or something. Also, I thought you would all really appreciate this. Uh, when you Google something, you know, sometimes it gives you, like, the context in a dictionary. Or if you look it up in a dictionary, you get, like, a sentence of, of how to use this word, right? Here's what it says for faith. This restores one's faith in politicians. <laughs> there are lots of ways to use that word faith. And I don't know who came up with that one. But, but nonetheless... If at the most basic definition, faith is complete trust or confidence in someone or something, it's reasonable to say that all people, not just Christians, because by this definition, everyone puts their faith in something and someone every single day. Uh, take, for example, what it takes for, for me to get here or wake up in the morning. Uh, last night, I had to have faith that when I set my alarms, they're going to go off at the right time and at the right volume, which means I also had to trust and have faith that uh, when I plugged my phone in, it was going to charge overnight, which really means I had to have faith that my wires were going to work and nothing was going to malfunction, and ultimately, of course, then means that I had to have faith that my electricity was going to stay on all night. And now, generally speaking, all of those things happen without me actually processing that I have faith in them, right? But have you ever woken up in the morning and for some reason your phone wasn't charged? Thankfully, that hasn't happened to me on a Saturday yet. But I know that, that when I wake up in the morning and my phone isn't charged, I look at it and I think to myself, oh, it's going to be that kind of day. All right, maybe I'll just stay in bed and we'll wake up tomorrow and see what happens. Because again, if faith is complete trust or confidence in someone or something, it would seem that when I go to sleep at night, I have faith that all of these little things are going to work together and I'm going to wake up in the morning. And for a more present example, just think about you being here in worship. Uh, without thinking about it, according to this basic understanding of faith, all of you had faith when you sat down in your pew this morning. If nothing else, you had faith that it wasn't going to fall out from under you. And of course, part of that is because you saw it. But imagine if one morning you came in and the pew fell out from underneath you. Right? First of all, I have to be honest with you. I would try not to laugh. No promises. I would try not to. Okay? But, but you kind of have a sense of faith because on the one hand you've seen it. And on the other hand, you're just trusting that this thing is going to hold you up. And there are some of you who come into this sanctuary every single Sunday at no matter what time, and you have faith that no one's going to be in your pew. <laughs> yeah, I don't know why that is, but you kind of just assume everyone knows that's your pew, you know, so you have faith no one's going to be in your spot. And I mean, I could go on and on, but, but my point is this, uh, that the definition, this, this basic definition of faith as complete trust or confidence in someone or something is simply not good enough, at least not for us as Christians. Because one of the things that is true about faith is that faith is objective. Uh, meaning that, that faith has to grasp onto something. 
Uh, whether it's uh, the reliability of a pew or, or the reliability of a charger or electricity, right? That, that faith has to be actually in something. And so what that means then for us as Christians is that we have a very clear object of our faith. Uh, see, I think a, a good Christian definition or a Christian understanding of faith, a biblical definition you might say, is dependence or trust in the biblical God as revealed in Jesus. So uh, very clearly, we know who and what we are depending on. Dependence or trust in the biblical God as revealed in Jesus. And in fact, this is how the writers of Hebrews says it in our lesson today. In Hebrews 11, verse 1, he writes, Now faith is the assurance of things hoped for and the conviction of things not seen. And so right away, when we, when we hear these words in verse 1, we're given kind of two very clear applications of our faith. Uh, the first one is assurance for things hoped for. And so what that means is when we talk about faith in God as it's revealed in Jesus, uh, biblical faith means having uh, faith in the promises of right now and the reality of promises that are still yet to come. That we have assurance and confidence in the promises that God makes to us, but we also are always hoping for something more. We're always looking forward to what God has in store for us in the new creation. And this is a theme not only in the lives of the people in Hebrews 11, but all throughout Scripture, that there's always something more to be hoped for, that we're always longing for what God is doing and at the same time experiencing the reality of His promises right now. Now, the second application, then, is conviction of things not seen. And I think uh, this is kind of hard for us because another way to say it is essentially evidence in things that you can't actually see. And usually when we talk about evidence, it's because we can see the thing. Right? But none of us have ever seen God, and yet, as you heard me say before, uh, when we go out into the world, or even in this place, we see the evidence of God's work in creation. Or, uh, of course, uh, just take the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus. Uh, that, that that in and of itself is evidence of God's work and of his promises and of the faith that people had in him. And even historically speaking, other religions acknowledge that Jesus was at least a prophet, and many just acknowledge that he was at least a person who existed. Right? So our faith certainly takes that beyond the next step because of what God's word tells us. But from the biblical understanding of faith, when you tell someone that you have faith then, it's not just like random chance or occurrence. Right? Uh, faith isn't just kind of like, well, I guess that's how it works. Faith is the conviction in the promises, uh, in the reality of promises made, promises fulfilled, and trusting in promises that are still yet to come. Uh, Martin Luther, a uh, the theologian for which our church body is named, once said it like this. Biblical faith is a living, daring confidence in God's grace, so sure and certain that a man can stake his life on it a thousand times. So, essentially, kind of what Luther is alluding to here, then, is that the biblical understanding of faith, the biblical belief, the faith that we share in Christ, is something that you can be so sure of, you can put your life on the line for it. And that's kind of what we see in Hebrews chapter 11. That's what people did throughout the Bible. See, because faith in God, as it's revealed through Jesus, is not just like conceptual, but it's active. Right? The, the writer of Hebrews also calls faith living and active, and so people had to actually live out their faith. They had to take action. Now, as I was reading Hebrews 11 over the past few weeks, I actually found it really helpful to think of that chapter as a receipt of faithfulness. 
See, uh, when you get a receipt at the store, it's kind of a record keeper of the things that you purchased, of what you paid for to receive these things. And it usually has your name, maybe your credit card number, and all these other kind of bits of information. It's usually longer than it should be, but we'll get to that in another sermon. So, so you get this receipt, right? It shows all this information for you. And that's what Hebrews 11 does for us. It's kind of this receipt of how the people of God were faithful. You heard it in the reading, and if you read it again, it says, by faith Abraham did this, by faith Moses did that. Right? So, so, so keep that idea that this is a record, this is a receipt of the faithfulness of how they lived it out, their faith in action. Here are some of the people mentioned. Uh, Abel offers a more acceptable sacrifice to God. Noah builds an ark because God warned him about a flood. Abraham obeyed God when God called him to lead to an unfamiliar land. Uh, Abraham, as an act of faith, almost killed his son. Right? Yeah, that's a thing. Uh, Isaac then blesses his sons because Abraham passes those blessings on. Jacob does the same thing and blesses the 12 tribes of Israel. Right? Moses stands before Pharaoh and by faith leads the people out of Egypt. Gideon, uh, by faith, leads people into battle and victory. Samson, a great warrior, a great hero of the faith, you might say, leads people to to victory by faith. David, by faith, stands before a giant. And, of course, uh, throughout his life carries on that faith as he ascends to the throne and is the line from which Jesus comes. Right, this list can go on and on. Uh, There are men and women all throughout the Bible constantly putting their faith and their dependence, their full trust in God. As it's revealed to Jesus, then into action. Now, I don't know about you, but uh, when I read this list, when I look at all these people and all these names, I begin to feel really bad about my own faithfulness. Uh, That when I look at people like Abraham and David and Ruth and Esther, I don't know the candle to, to their level of faithfulness. These people and so many others constantly put their lives on the line as an act of faith. Now, on the one hand, of course, I'm thankful that I've never had to put my life on the line as an act of faith. And at the same time, if I look at my record, my receipt of faithfulness, I'm pretty sure that I would not put my life on the line for my faith or as an act of faith. Uh, I actually have it on good record that I wouldn't even go to jail for my faith. Well, fake jail. Let me explain. Let me explain. See, uh, I was a junior in high school, and uh, every year we did a a spring kind of whitewater rafting trip in the spring or in the summer as a big family group. And so a bunch of families from my church went, and the youth kind of had one area as a campsite, and parents had another. And at night, we would play a game called Romans and Christians. And so the Christians' objective uh, was, first of all, to remain in secret, try to remain in hiding and not get caught. And they had to collect tokens from the adults who were on the other campsite, but they were also faithful Christians in kind of hiding in plain sight. So you had to ask if there was a Christian, and if they were, they would give you a token. The objective was to collect five tokens and make it back to the campsite safely. If you were a Roman, your objective was very simple. Find and arrest the Christians. Right? So Christians, you have to avoid the Romans. Romans, you're looking for them. And Romans had flashlights. Christians didn't. So there I am running around with with two of my friends. We, We remained in a group of three. And we're, you know, crawling, running all throughout this campground. And we end up getting three tokens. And, of course, we're looking for the last two. And we have to run across this huge field, kind of similar to what we have going on in the back of the church here. We have to run across this huge field. And as we do, the light shines upon us. And the darkness was revealed. And so uh, there we are standing in the darkness. And the Roman soldiers come over to us. And the first thing they ask is, what are you doing out here this so late at night? 
And I was like, oh, I'm just out for a stroll, you know, just enjoying the night. It's a beautiful night here, right? The moon was out, the stars were shining. I said, well, where are you coming from? Oh, I'm coming from the baker's house, you know, just down the block. Uh, you know, the, the baker. And they were like, oh, yeah, the baker, the best bread maker in the city. I was like, exactly. And so then I kind of started to turn away, and they said, hold on, hold on. Are any of you Christians, you know, like a follower of Jesus? And I looked at my friends who looked back at each other. I was like, Jesus, who would follow that guy? What, are you crazy? Come on, no one would do that. And they, they kind of looked at us, and the Romans kind of talked amongst one another, and then they took us to jail, right? So we get back to the campsite, and now we're sitting in jail, and I'm like, oh, man, well, we're never going to get out of here. Well, eventually the game, of course, ends, and I'm, I'm wondering how this one girl got five tokens. I'm thinking to myself, man, how could she have escaped everyone? We're all sitting here. And what happens is, I asked her, you know, we're sitting in the group, and we said, uh, how did you get back? How did you escape when the Romans found you? And she said, oh, I told them I was a Christian. That, that I was a follower of Jesus. And they let me go. Now, sure, you could say, well, I mean, pastor, it was a game. You were a kid. Like, come on, you weren't really thinking about it. But that moment stands out so poignantly for me because it was the first time, and thanks be to God, the only time so far in my life that I've said the words, no, I'm not a follower of Jesus. And sure, it was just a game, but if I couldn't stand up and act out my faith in a game, why would I believe that I'd do it if my life was really on the line? Right? When I check my record, when I check the receipt of my own faithfulness, I realize that not only at that moment in the game, but at so many other times in my life, my actions have not reflected the faith that I have. That if anything, I've either shown that I only trust God in some things, but not all things, or that I'm not actually living out my faith in any tangible way, and so and not only is it hard to see, but it would seemingly be unfaithful. So what about you? Uh, what is your receipt, uh, what does your record of faithfulness look like? Is it a life that is completely 100% dependent all the time on God? You know, I often ask you guys questions that I already know the answer to, so it's really easy for me. Because, uh, no, none of us are always fully, 100% dependent on God. The truth is we all struggle with our faith. And the truth is the same for the people in the Bible. For, for the so-called heroes of the faith that we read about, even they, when acting out in faith other times in their lives, and so often acted out unfaithfully. Uh, Noah got drunk. Right, a lot slept with his daughters. Abraham lies numerous times. Isaac lies. Jacob lies multiple times. Uh, Moses kills a man. Gideon falls away from God. Samson sells God's people out for sex. David has an affair and conspires to commit murder. And the list goes on and on. Uh, that all of a sudden, these same people who by faith acted out in so many different ways, wrestled and struggled and were unfaithful in so many ways as well. So then what does that mean for me and for you? That if these so-called heroes of the faith struggled and wrestled their entire lives with their faith and often acted in unfaithful ways, how do we expect to live? Are we too just going to have to struggle each and every day? Is that what faith really is? If that's the case, if I'm never going to really believe or really trust or put all my confidence in God, then, then why have faith in the first place? 
If you ever asked yourself that question before, or you're asking yourself right now, I want you to hear again the words from Hebrews chapter 12. That after the writer of Hebrews talks all about these different people and their acts of faith, here's what he says. Therefore, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and the sin that clings so closely, and let us run with perseverance the race that is set before us, looking to Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith, who for the sake of the joy that was set before him endured the cross, disregarding its shame, and has taken his seat at the right hand of the throne of God. The beauty of every story that you'll find in Scripture, of every person's uh, faithfulness, their acts of faithfulness and their acts of unfaithfulness. And all these places and all these stories, they all point back to Jesus. See, uh, when we look back on the record of faithfulness, the receipts of faithfulness in, in the lives of the people in Scripture, it's not because they were so great and they were so awesome. It's because God is so great, because God is awesome, because God is so faithful through Jesus. By the power of his spirit, the spirit that is unseen, God works in the lives of his people by revealing the presence of Jesus, by revealing his faithfulness over and over and over again. That assurance of the things that they had hoped for was happening because God is faithful. In the many times that they struggled with their faith, they committed acts of unfaithfulness over and over again. They were still pointed back to Jesus, where God reveals that even when we are unfaithful, we confess our sin as he is faithful and just to forgive our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. See, at all times in these people's lives, in all times in your life and my life, we are pointed back to Jesus. All of Scripture points us back to what God does in Jesus. See, in Jesus, uh, God promises to reconcile what was broken by sin. In Jesus, God promises uh, to restore our unfaithfulness through his faithful salvation. In Jesus, God promises to redeem what has been taken by sin. And when we talk about redemption in Scripture, that word redeem means to buy back, to purchase what was once taken away. Uh, so God, in Jesus, purchases us back from sin. God redeems us through Jesus. Jesus pays for your sin and for my sin on the cross. And his payment once and for all was for all of our sin, and once was enough. So Jesus pays for us, payment for our salvation, payment for our new life, payment for each and every day where we experience the faithfulness of God. And as we've talked about this morning, uh, usually when you pay for something, you get a receipt. You get a record to, to go back to, to look back and to see and to read over and over again about what you have been given, about what was purchased. So uh, where is our receipt? Uh, where, where are the receipts in, in our lives? Uh, here at church, we have at least uh, three places that you can see the receipt that God has for us. Uh, the first is in the waters of baptism, where God claims us through the water and the word. And the second is one that we receive every single week in the body and blood of Jesus. That receipt so clear for us as we receive it over and over and over again. But God is so good. God is so incredibly faithful that he gave us a receipt that we can carry with us 
wherever we go. I can't unroll this whole thing because we'll be here a long time. Over 400 feet here. This right here is God's word taped together as one long receipt. See, at the youth gathering a few weeks ago, back in July, uh, the, the gathering Bible study leaders pulled one of these out. And the youth loved it here so much at St. Andrew that at our lock-in a few weeks ago, we created it for ourselves. So that we could see God's word, that we could hold the physical receipt, the record on which every single page God reveals his faithfulness to me and to you. That Jesus is found on every single one of these pages because he is in all things and in him all things hold together. And so when, when we go to look at our receipt of faithfulness, uh, when we go to see uh, what our receipt says, what was bought, what was purchased, your receipt and my receipt has three words on it. Paid in full. That's what God did for me and for you in Jesus. It was Jesus' perfect faithfulness that paid once and for all for all our sin and sets us free to live anew. It's because of Jesus' faithfulness that we pursue a faithful life. And it's only because of his faithfulness that we can run the race that has been set before us. So if you're feeling weak or you're feeling weary, just keep running. And check the receipt again. Let the word of God point you back to Jesus so that the faithfulness of Jesus may fill you with hope. That wherever you go, you are reminded of promises made, promises fulfilled, and promises that are still yet to come. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen.